As we begin our message today, I want to ask you to think about what comes to mind when you hear the word family. So what comes to mind when you hear the word family? For some of us, we might think about the people that are closest to us. We might think about spouses, about brothers and sisters, about parents, about kids, grandparents, grandkids, nieces, nephews, aunts, uncles. We might think about our biological family and uh, the people that we're close to from that perspective. For some of us, we might think instantly about key memories of times together. We might think about Christmas or about birthdays or weddings, celebrations where we get together as a family. For some of us, when we hear the word family, it might bring up a whole bunch of feelings of pain and brokenness, feelings of loss, feelings of hurt because of things that have happened to us or because of people who aren't with us anymore from a family perspective. Others of us, and there's a number of us who are not from Adelaide, so when we think about the word family, we think about people who aren't here with us, people who are in other parts of the country or people who are in other parts of the world. And so there's a sense of absence that kicks in as we think about family, people that we miss not having around us as much as maybe they were once upon a time. The reality is that for all of us, we crave that sense of family. It's baked into the very essence of who we are, that we know that we're supposed to have these people around us who are close to us, people who are there for us, people who we call family. And for us, we believe that that's because that's the way that God wired us, that God's original design and God's original plan for us was a family, that God's original intention in creating the universe, creating the world and creating humanity was to create a family where we could live in a peace-filled relationship with him, in a peace-filled relationship with each other, in a peace-filled relationship with his creation, but to journey together as family. As we begin this year, we're taking some time to talk about what's key to us as a church. And so last week, we talked about what it means for us to be Jesus-centred, and we unpacked that in great detail as one of the key things about us as a church. And so if you weren't around last week, I encourage you to have a listen to that on our website, Facebook page, or on our podcast. Today, we're going to talk about this idea of being spiritual family which is another one of our core values and what's really, really important to us as a church. And then next week we'll finish up by talking about what it means to see lives change. Those are the three things that we believe as a church that we're called to be as we engage in this process of making disciples, people who are following Jesus and people who are taking their next steps in their walk with Jesus. That For us, our focus is unapologetically on Jesus, recognising Jesus is the one who shows us what God is like. Jesus is the one who shows us how to live. Jesus is the one who gives us the opportunity to be a part of God's family. But that we are here to create an atmosphere that we've called spiritual family, that we believe that's the best environment for people to be able to take those next steps in their walk with Jesus. And then as we'll talk about next week, that ultimately that leads to transformation in our lives, transformation in our church and transformation in the community around us. But today we want to zoom in on this idea of spiritual family. And we recognise that, as I said, that word family has lots of different meanings for lots and lots of different people. And that in particular, for people who've grown up in unhealthy families, there can be some real negativity that's attached to that word. And so it's not something that we chose lightly when we made the decision to say this is one of the key things that's important to us, because we know that lots and lots of people have a bad experience. But we also recognise that all of us know what family is supposed to be. And it's a part of the reason why when things go wrong in our families, it hurts so much. 
because we know that's not the way that God created us. We know that's not how things are supposed to work. And all of us have an understanding about what the best version of family should be. And so for us as a church, that's what we want to focus on, is aspiring to be that best version of what family is supposed to be. And so rather than shying away from the concept of family, we want to say that especially for people who've had a negative experience in family, we want to be a place where that can be redeemed and where people can have an experience of what family really should be. So the passage that we're looking at today from Colossians chapter 3 gives us a beautiful picture of what that spiritual family looks like. And this is another very dense passage that has so much that's packed into it. And so you have your teaching notes in Caring Connections. I encourage you to jot things down as we go through today's message. So Paul writes in chapter 3 verse 12, the first part of it, that we are the people of God, that he loved us and chose us for his own. And this is a really important starting point for us as we think about the idea of being family. That we are family because of God's choice. That as I said, this was God's original design and God's original purpose. And so we're not a part of God's family because we work hard enough. We're not a part of God's family because we get our lives together enough. We're not a part of God's family because we strive enough. We're a part of God's family because this is what he wanted for us. And his motivation in that was love. At the end of the day, that's why he wanted a family around him. Is because he's got so much love to share that he wanted to be able to extend that out to all of us as human beings. And so we recognise that this is God's initiative, that we are family because of what God has done for us. And therefore we find ourselves as family, as brothers and sisters with one another, as a part of God's family where love is the key distinctive in that. But Paul then goes on to say in verse 12, So then you must clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. And in some cultures, families have a traditional set of clothes that they wear that have a lot of meaning that are attached to them and a whole bunch of things that come out of that, understanding their values, understanding their story because of a specific set of clothes that they wear. And so what Paul is referring to here is kind of our family clothes that we wear as a part of God's family. And we've unpacked these things in great detail in other series. In particular, we did a series in Colossians uh, called Unrestrained back at the end of 2018. And so if you want to dig into these a little bit more, you can go back and have a listen to that message. But briefly, what Paul is saying here is that we put on this clothing as a part of God's family, that we put ourselves in other people's shoes and do for them what we would want to do if we were them. That's what compassion is. Being able to look at someone else's situation and say, if I was this person, what would I be looking for? That's what I'm going to do. So compassion is one of the clothes that we put on. Kindness, acts of kindness, doing good things for one another. Humility, recognising that no one's better and no one's worse than anyone else. That we are all equal because of God's work. If we're a part of God's family, then we're all equal in God's family. So there's an element of humility that kicks in there. Gentleness, which we've defined previously as strength under control. Gentleness is strength under control. This idea that it's not just about being walked all over, but in the ways that we respond to one another, we do that in a way that is controlled. Strength under control. And then patience, being patient with each other, recognising that no one's perfect We all make mistakes and we all mess up at different times, but also being patient in the journey that other people are on and not expecting people to rush through what God's doing in their lives. 
So this is a beautiful picture of what family looks like and the family attire that we should put on on a daily basis as we recognise that we've been welcomed into this family. Supporting one another, encouraging one another, caring for one another, looking out for each other, being patient with each other, dealing with our issues as they come up but doing that in an appropriate and controlled way. Paul then takes that a little bit further in verse 13 where he says that we should be tolerant with one another and forgive one another whenever any of us have a complaint against someone else. He says you must forgive one another just as the Lord has forgiven you. And this is a really important thing for us to recognise that Paul challenges us to be tolerant to one another. And sometimes when we hear the word tolerant, we just think that means to put up with someone else. So being tolerant means that I'll just put up with you. But I don't actually think that's what Paul's getting to. For me, tolerance and actually living this out in a healthy way is about believing the best. Many of you have heard me talk about this before, that I think this is one of the most important things for us to live out in our lives, is to adopt a posture of believing the best about other people. That rather than starting from a posture of saying, here we go again, that person always messes up, and so this is another example of that, or that person hates me and therefore that's how they're responding, or all of the other things that we can often think first, if we start from a posture of saying, believe the best, it changes things. And I honestly think that in our culture, which is very much dictated by outrage these days, this is one of the most important things for us to remember. Is our default posture to just lash out and to react really, really harshly as soon as anything happens? And sadly, that's what our news does. That's what most of the things that we read on the internet do. That's what most of the things on social media are all about. That someone does something and so we've got to have this outrage about this. We have to have really strong opinions and respond to this thing that's happened. How can that possibly be even when it doesn't really affect us whatsoever? What about if instead our posture was about believing the best, that our default posture towards all of the other people and the things that happen around us was to say, maybe there's more going on here than I know. Maybe there's a bigger story that's happening. Maybe this person was just having a really bad day and that's why they responded the way that they did. Believing the best is a key thing for us to focus on in our church family, but in all of the relationships that we've got together. And the reason why that's really important is because of what Paul says next that we should offer the forgiveness that's been offered to us. And it's a big challenge because Paul says, whenever any of you has a complaint against someone else, we should offer forgiveness. Paul doesn't say, when you feel like forgiving someone else, forgive them. Or when someone shows that they're really, really sorry for what they've done, then you should offer forgiveness. Paul says, whenever anyone has a complaint, You should forgive. I don't know about you, but that's a big challenge for me. And some of you are frowning at me, so I can see that you agree. (laughs) It's a big, big challenge. But he reminds us that Jesus has forgiven us completely. It's what we celebrate when we baptise people, that every single thing that we have done, everything that we're going to do, has been forgiven because of Jesus. So if that's true for us, why would we then not extend that to other people? Now, my suspicion, and also my challenge with it, is because regularly when we think about the idea of forgiving everyone regardless, we get that confused with the process of rebuilding trust and restoring relationships. And those are three very different things. I genuinely believe that Jesus calls us to forgive 100% of the time. 
However, if there's been trust that's been breached, particularly in close relationships, that takes time to rebuild. And it doesn't always happen. Sometimes you can't rebuild the trust that's been broken. And then to restore a relationship requires the restoration of trust, and that can take a lot of time too, and sometimes that doesn't happen either. And that's okay. That's just the realities of relational dynamics. But those two things not being a possibility don't mean that we shouldn't forgive. If Jesus has forgiven us, we should be willing to extend that forgiveness to other people 100% of the time. If we're willing to believe the best about other people, it makes it a lot easier for us to extend that forgiveness to them, even in those times when the relational dynamics have gotten confused. In verse 14, Paul continues on and says, To all these qualities add love, which binds all things together in perfect unity. And so love is really at the core of everything that we do and everything that we believe. One key question that we like to ask ourselves a lot is, what is the most loving thing to do? That we don't follow some rule book, we don't follow some set of instructions where we have to do this and then not this. We start by saying, what's the most loving thing to do in any given situation and how can we live that out? And when we do choose to love, when we do choose to believe the best, when we do choose to forgive, that generally leads to the other things that Paul has talked about, about our family garments, that love inevitably leads to compassion. Love inevitably leads to caring for one another, accepting one another, being patient with one another, a sense of humility. We talked about this quote from Augustine a couple of weeks ago where he said, love God and do what you please. It's the reality that when love is central to who we are, a whole bunch of things become a lot easier for us. And love also brings a sense of unity. We talked last week about the reality that Jesus is the one who unites us, that when we centre on Jesus, we can come from all sorts of different perspectives and end up finding a sense of unity as we walk towards Jesus together. Love does the same thing. When we choose to focus on love above everything else, it inevitably leads us to move closer to one another and to be the version of spiritual family that God created us to be. Paul then says in verse 15, the peace that Christ gives you is to guide you in the decisions that you make. For it's to this peace that God has called you together in the one body. So this is another good challenge for us and a good question for us to wrestle with. Do we make decisions from a posture of peace? Do we make the decisions that we make in our lives from a posture of peace? And when we talk about peace, we're not talking about the absence of conflict, which is what we sometimes think about when we think about peace. We're talking about the sense of peace that Jesus came to give us, life the way that it's supposed to be, with relationships in their right place, engagement with one another in its right place, everything the way that God created it to be. And we know that a lot of the time we don't experience that, and that's not how our lives work. But sometimes we can be very guilty of making decisions when we know that we're in a place of negative emotion, when we're in a place where we're frustrated or we're angry or we're upset or we're hurt, and we make snap decisions in the midst of that. And so Paul's challenge here is to say, are you willing to just slow down a little bit and give it a bit of space and allow the peace that comes from Jesus to penetrate to the core of who you are and allow that posture to then shape the decisions that you make? For us as a church family, collectively, that's the focus that we want to have. We don't want to make decisions rashly and just quickly in the heat of the moment around different things. But for us individually, it's a really great challenge to say, do I make decisions in the heat of the moment when I know that I'm not actually the best version of who I am? 
Or do I make decisions when I've slowed down and spent some time with God and saying, God, what's your perspective on this? What are you trying to say to me? Making decisions from a posture of peace. And then Paul says at the end of verse 15, three very important words. And be thankful. And be thankful. Gratitude is such an important thing that changes our perspective, our mindset, our openness to what God might be up to. When we stop and recognise how much we have, it often allows that sense of peace to kick in in our lives. Because rather than thinking we're missing out on so much or there's so much other stuff that's not happening, we can stop and just acknowledge how much God has given us. And that radically changes the way that we look at the world, the way that we look at other people, and can then change the way that we respond. And so as a church family, we want to continue to practice gratitude. What does it mean for us to recognise how much God has given us? It's extraordinary. We're really, really fortunate in all that we have and the way that God provides for us. And so how do we operate out of a sense of, wow, isn't it great that God's given us all this? How do we move forward from there? Paul then says in verse 16, that Christ's message in all its richness must live in your hearts. Teach and instruct one another with all wisdom. Sing psalms, hymns, and sacred songs. Sing to God with thanksgiving in your hearts. And as Dave said when he opened up the service, that's what we do when we get together on a Sunday. We want to take the time to remind ourselves about Jesus' message, to remind ourselves about who Jesus is and about what Jesus has done for us, about who we are because of that and what it means for us to be people who are Jesus-centred. We also come together to practice gratitude, to sing songs of thanksgiving, recognising who God is, what God's character is like, all of these amazing things that have been done for us. We take the time to be able to sing about that. We take the time to teach and instruct one another, to be able to share the things that we can learn as we practice gratitude, as we centre in on Jesus' message. But this isn't just about what we do when we get together for a little bit of time on a Sunday morning. This is something that we can have as a part of our everyday life. For us individually, we can take time to reflect on Jesus' message. That's why reading scripture is so important for us, to be able to come back to the essence of who Jesus is and what he's done. Being able to practice gratitude at home. And it may not be that you want to sing, although in the comfort of your own home that might be easier for you than singing in public. But practicing praise and thanksgiving can be as simple as going for a walk down the beach or sitting in a park. This morning I took our dog for a walk and listening to the birds sing was just amazing. That's creation singing its praise and thanksgiving to God. So being able to recognize there are all these opportunities to thank God for who he is and for what he's done. And then as we partner together, not just when we're here on a Sunday, but in our Tuesday small group, when we get together on Wednesday night for dinner, when we spend time in what we talked about last week, the idea of having some discipleship groups where there's three or four people who just get together and talk a little bit about what God's up to. It's a great way of us being able to learn from each other, instruct one another with the wisdom that the Spirit gives us and to be able to thank God for the things that he's doing. And then Paul wraps up this section in verse 17 by saying, Everything you do or say then should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus, as you give thanks through him to God the Father. When we talk about the name of Jesus, we're talking about the character of Jesus. And so Paul is challenging us to say everything that we should do should be aligned with the character of Jesus. That's another pretty big challenge when you stop and think about it. Is everything that I do aligned with the character of Jesus? Of Jesus, aligned with his heart, 
align with his passions, align with the way that he sees the world. The conversations that I have, the way that I spend my time and my money, the thoughts that I have, the thoughts that I have about other people, the things that I watch, the things that I listen to, the things that I get frustrated about, are those things aligned with the character and heart of Jesus? Because as God's family, that's what we should be trying to live out more and more. What is the character of Jesus and how do we emulate that in our own lives? So that's a fair chunk of information, number of things for us to be able to focus on. And so for us as a church, we've tried to summarise down this idea of spiritual family into four words that are hopefully a little bit easier to be able to remember than all of those big things. But these kind of encapsulate all the things that Paul has been talking about. And so we've summed up this idea of being spiritual family with these four ideas. First of all, spiritual family is authentic. It's a place where you can come and be as you are. You don't have to put on an act. You don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. It's a place where it's okay to not be okay, which is a big challenge for a lot of us. So it's a place where we can be real and vulnerable and honest and open with one another. That's what a healthy family looks like. You don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. You don't have to pretend to put on a happy face when things aren't really going that well. Spiritual family is accepting. It's a place where people are welcomed and accepted regardless of where they're coming from, regardless of their beliefs, regardless of their background, regardless of a whole bunch of different things. It's a place where you feel like you belong, a place that feels like home. That's what we're striving for when we talk about the idea of being accepting. Healthy spiritual family is encouraging. It's a place where you are encouraged in the sense that we normally think about it, where people say good things to one another. I really appreciate this thing that you did. I'm so grateful for you for these reasons and being able to encourage one another and call out the good things in one another. But encouragement is also about giving courage to each other. And so giving courage to one another means I know that you're going through a hard time, but I'm here with you through the midst of that. I want to encourage you to persevere through this week. This isn't going to be like this forever. You can keep going this little bit further. I know that this is really hard what you're going through right now, but we're with you in the midst of that. Being able to see a different perspective and give courage. I know that you're really worried about that thing that's coming up this week, but I know that you can do it. That's what encouragement looks like. That's the sort of spiritual family that we want to be. And then supportive as well. A place where we can come and we can share our joys and our struggles. It's a place where we know, again, that it's okay to not be okay. It's a place where we can say, things aren't going so well for me at the moment. Things are a little bit hard. We can let our guards down and know that we've got other people around us. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we've got all the answers, but sometimes just saying, I can't understand what you're going through because I haven't been there, but I know that God's with you in the midst of that, and I just want to pray for you, is a really significant thing that we can do for one another. So being supportive of one another. So these sum up all of the things that Paul's just been talking about, hopefully a way that's a bit easier for us to remember. And so when we talk about aspiring to be a healthy version of spiritual family, that's the picture that we're trying to create, to say how do we become more and more like this over time? How do people have an experience of this whenever they connect with us? Yes, when we're together on a Sunday, but throughout the week as well. When people connect with us, do they feel like they can be themselves? Do they feel welcome? 
and at home? Do they feel encouraged after they spend time with us? Do they feel supported? Now, it's important to name a couple of things that spiritual family is not, as we talk about that. And the first one is that it's not perfect. So this is what we aspire to be like, but we're going to mess up because we're all human and we all make mistakes at different times. And so while we try to do this to the best of our abilities, there are times when we won't manage to succeed in that. That's why forgiveness is so important. That's why believing the best is so important because we won't always get this right, but it doesn't mean it can't be our aspiration. And it's also important to name that being spiritual family doesn't mean that we're best friends with everybody. If you're a part of a large family or if you have a large extended family, you know the reality that there are some people that you get on really well with and there are some people that you tolerate in the way that we talked about earlier (laughs) in a negative sense, that you do literally put up with them because they're family. (laughs) And that's the reality of being a part of an extended family. And we're at a size as a church family where that's the reality too, that there are some people who we're really going to get on well with and there are other people that hopefully we go beyond tolerating but who we don't necessarily get on well with. We don't share common interests. We don't necessarily get on as well as we could and that's okay. It's fine for us to be family but not necessarily feel like we're best friends with everyone. So as we head into this year, that's the picture that we want to keep in front of us. It's core to who we are because we believe that when we create an environment like that, it enables people to be able to follow Jesus and it creates transformation in people's lives. And so as we get into this year, I want to give you the same question that I gave last week to be able to say what's my next step or my next couple of steps in helping us to be the best version of spiritual family. And so you have your notes there. I want to encourage you to pull those out, even if you haven't been taking notes throughout the message, and to just jot something down. Because as I said last week, I'm going to give you a big menu. This is not a smorgasbord where you have to eat everything. This is just pick one or two things. But here's a bunch of ideas about what you might want to focus on as your next steps in helping us grow as spiritual family as we head into this year. And regardless of where we're at, In our journey with Brooklyn Park, this is something that we can all step into. So even if we're fairly new, there are steps that we can take forward. If we've been around for a little while, there are steps we can take forward. If we've been around for decades, longer than the carpet upstairs, then there are steps that we can take forward as well. So wherever you're at, I want to encourage you to take one or two next steps. So here's a few ideas, and you might think of something else as well, and that's perfectly fine. So the first set of suggestions is what we've just talked about, those four key areas for us as a church family. So for you, it might actually be a challenge about saying, am I authentic when I engage with our spiritual family? Do I need to let my guard down a little bit? Do I need to be a bit more real and a bit more vulnerable in the conversations that I have with people? Do I need to accept that it is okay for me to not be okay as a part of our spiritual family? Or for some of us, it might be accepting the authenticity of others who might be a little too authentic for our liking (laughs) and perhaps show that they're not okay at times and that rubs us the wrong way. And so that level of authenticity, that could be something that's there for us. It could be about acceptance then, in that sense of accepting people are a bit different than us, people who come from different backgrounds, people who have different beliefs than us. It could be about saying, I'm going to make an effort to try and extend the sense of welcome and belonging that we have as a church family. When I come each week, I'm going to make an effort to try and say hi to one person that I don't know. 
or I'm going to come with a mindset of saying, who's new here that I haven't seen around the place before? I'm going to try and help them to feel a bit more connected into who we are. It could be about that sense of being encouraging. We could set a goal for ourselves to say, each week my goal is to find one person and to say one encouraging thing to them. To just find someone and say, I really appreciate you for this reason. I really appreciate this thing that you did. Or it could be about adopting a mindset of saying, how do I give courage to other people in the conversations that we have? As I'm listening to what someone's sharing, how do I take an opportunity to say something back to them that might give them courage in whatever it is that they're going through? And that obviously leads into being supportive. Am I in a place where I'm willing to come and to share the good things that are going on, but also to share my struggles in the midst of that, to allow other people to support me as I go through hard times? But am I also adopting a posture of saying, how can I support others? And again, the big challenge is that all of us feel a little bit like, oh, what if I don't say the right thing? Or what if I don't know what to say? We need to recognise that sometimes just saying, I'm here with you. As a family, we're here with you. Above everything, God is 100% with you. He knows what you're going through is a really important thing to be able to name and to say out loud. So for some of us, our next step could just be about helping us to adopt more of these and allow them to become more of a reality together. For some of us, it could be related to some of the things that we talked about earlier in the service. So getting involved in one of our serve teams, one of our different volunteer teams, and being able to help out with the chores around the place as we unpacked. That sense of feeling like this is my church family and I'm involved. I have a sense of ownership of what's going on here. So as I said earlier, there is a sign-up sheet out there. If you're interested in finding out more about getting involved, please do that after the service. Or it could be about investing into our church family and what we talked about around the offering time being able to say, I'm going to give into the work that God's doing in and through our church family here. It could be about shifting my language. This is a really, really key one. That if my language or even my thought process is that church that is other people's church, so Nate's church or the church that belongs to those other people or that church that I kind of go to, if that's our default language instead of my church, that's a good journey to work through, to say, how do I get to adopting this as my church family? Not seeing it as that other thing that kind of happens over there that I parachute in and out of, but saying, this is my church. This is my church family. And how does that then change the way that I engage with the things that we're doing? Another thing may be about telling others about our spiritual family. And this is a part of the reason that we created this language, is to make it easier to have conversations with people who aren't from a church background or who may have very different ideas about what a church is, to be able to help them understand why we're here. And I think this language of spiritual family is one of the most helpful on-ramps that we've got with people who aren't from a church background or who've had a bad experience in church. Because being able to say, I'm a part of my church family and these are all of the things that are really important to me. It's a place where I can be myself. It's a place where I belong. It's a place that feels like home. It's a place where I feel encouraged. It's a place where I feel supported. Think about a lot of the people around you, your families, your friends, people at work, your neighbours. How many of them would say they've got anywhere like that in their lives? Anywhere where they can be themselves? anywhere where they feel a sense of home, anywhere where they feel encouraged, anywhere where they feel supported. There are so many people around us who don't have that. It's an incredible gift for us to be able to give people, to say this is why we exist as a church, 
is to offer a place where you can experience all of that. So for some of us, it might be able to, it might be someone that's come to mind for you right now, or it's like, yes, it's a great conversation I can have with someone to say, hey, have you ever thought about coming along and our first on-ramp is our Wednesday dinners. It's a great way of getting to know some of these elements of us in a very non-threatening way. So that could be our next step. The last one then, and if I could have my assistants come and help. Yes, that's you, Rachel and Aaron. <laughs> Aaron, do you want to come and help us up? <laughs> so last week, we gave out a health checkup, And so I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up to find out who did it, because I don't want to be embarrassed. Uh, but... I did say I wasn't going to check up on you, so that's a big part of it. So last week we gave this out to talk about what it means to be Jesus-centred. And there's a bunch of statements to be able to just unpack where you're at in your journey. And so this week is about being spiritual family. And so my encouragement to you is the same as last week, to be able to say, take some time this week, grab a coffee, sit down, and be able to just jot down a few thoughts. What statements jump out at you? What things challenge you? And then on the back page, there is an opportunity for you to be able to reflect and to respond to that and to be able to say, okay, here's a few things that jump off the page at me. Here's a couple of things that I feel like I'm doing well in this area. And here's a couple of things that maybe I can spend a bit of time focusing on as I head into this week. A couple of caveats for those who weren't here last week. This is not a test. This is not designed to make you feel bad about yourselves and say, oh, I got a really bad grade on this. That's not the point. It's also not something you have to hand back and give me and say, look, I'm really sorry. It's nothing like that. This is just for you to be able to take some time and say, where am I at in the midst of this? And so I hope that it's a helpful tool as we continue to unpack and head into this year uh, to see where God's leading us. So I'm going to pray that God would continue to help us to experience what he's given us the opportunity of experiencing, being spiritual family, and that as we head into this year, we can more and more see that become a reality around us. Let's pray. God, we do thank you that we are spiritual family because of you. That this isn't our idea, this isn't us rallying together, this isn't us trying to find people who are like-minded and then create a family out of that. This was your decision your idea before the creation of the world. You created us so that we could live in a full, complete relationship with you as your kids and that we could live in a full, complete relationship with each other as the healthiest version of brothers and sisters. We know that so many of us have difficult relationships with family members for all sorts of different reasons. But we thank you that inside of each one of us we have a sense of what that's supposed to look like. And I thank you that in the church we have an opportunity to be able to live that reality out. And we thank you for this language that we've got as a part of our church family here at Brooklyn Park. These things that are becoming more and more clear to us, these things that are really important to us, that are values that we know when we get it right we can become the best version of who we are. And when we move away from them we feel like we're not living out what you've called us to be. So I ask that as we move into this year that you would continue to help us to become the best version of what spiritual family can be, that you would continue to challenge us, you would continue to inspire us, that you would continue to help us individually to live these things out so that collectively that can be our experience. And so as we head into this week, I ask that you would just help us to reflect and take some time and to be able to think about where we're at in that process of being a part of this spiritual family. And as we head into the next few months, that you would put some things ahead of us that we can be able to say, okay, that's what I want to work towards. I want to grow in this area so that I can experience more of what you have given us. In your name we pray. 
Amen.